0: Blood Talk Radio
1: And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth Blood and fire and pillars of smoke The sun shall be turned into darkness And the moon into blood Before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank. Glad you are here with us tonight. And uh, folks, if you didn't get the chance to hear last week's message on Comfortably Numb, the church in Babylon, please do yourself a favor. Go and listen to that message. It's very important. Um, The day, the hour we are living in, it's important that we are awake. And you'll be surprised to the numbness that sets in on people when they have been in the same uh, religion or church or whatever you want to call it you know that you go to. We know true religion is to take care of the fatherless and the widows. But and what the modern-day world calls religion or church, you can get numb to the truth of God. And, and what happens in return is, is that your, your relationship grows dull with God because of this numbness. And so, folks, please listen in. Uh, It it will help you, uh, by God's grace, to grow deeper in your walk with Him. And uh, so tonight, we're waiting on Brother Benjamin to come into the program tonight, because he's going to be our guest, and he'll be here in just a few. And uh, with that, we're going to talk about tonight the power of prayer. You know, prayer is a very powerful thing. And my wife, just to share a quick story with you, she's had some medical challenges come up here recently. and It's been very high stress, and we had to have an MRI done, and this MRI was $3,700, and it was tough. You know, it's a lot of money, and there were some other things going along with this. was looking at possibly about $10,000 out of our pocket this year, and, you know, the Lord has been faithful. He's done a lot of good things for us. And my wife was really stressed and and you know worried about all these things going on and and then now we on top of that, we got this thirty seven hundred dollar bill for one m r i but you know what God is very faithful he's very faithful. the owner of the company that I run and manage um i don't I don't get to see him all the time he's He doesn't get involved very much. He's a great supporter, but uh, he's uh, 75 years old, and he does his own thing, and um, so occasionally I get to see him. Um, He invited us out to eat, and while we were out eating that night, um, we shared with him what was going on with my wife and everything, and when we shared that with him, um, they a little bit later pulled out something and said, well... This is for you, but actually it's really – it's addressed to you, but it's actually for your wife because, you know, my wife – without my wife, praise God, I wouldn't even be able to survive. But they handed her an envelope, and when she opened it up, it was a check for $5,000. And my wife and I broke down, and we cried right there in that restaurant. And we were overwhelmed. They had no idea we were in need. They had no idea that this was a stress and a burden, but God hears prayers and he knows our struggle. And my, my experience with the Lord is often folks. And I want you to remember this. My experience with the Lord often is this. He very often waits to the last minute before he answers prayers with me. It's, it's, you know, sometimes they do come quicker, but very often I'll be praying for something. I'll really need something. I'll be struggling to get this answer, and, and, and it's coming down to the very absolute wire, and the Lord will come through at the very last moment to the point where I have learned this, and sometimes I get myself all stressed out. But then God gently reminds me and brings me back to this truth that he is there and that he will come through uh, for me, well, I was sharing I was doing a revival series for a Chinese church, and I was at this chinese church up in it was in, actually up in Maryland I'm in Virginia, and I was preaching there and I've spoken through a lot of translators before and and um as I was preaching though i I was struggling because this this translator it was like every time I would say something, it would be three times the amount of words to get it translated onto the show, or excuse me, it'll get translated into the sermon. And I was frustrated, and I was talking to this lady afterwards, and I was like, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm struggling trying to preach through this translator because he's talking, it, it takes so long to translate it. I wasn't familiar with translating into Chinese, so I didn't know if it took more words to translate into Chinese. So she told me out of nowhere, she says, well, he likes to kind of add a lot to what you're saying so he can put it. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. And I'm struggling here for uh, – this has been going on for days. And so I don't have much time left. I'm at the very end, and finally out of desperation, I'm up here getting ready to give this last message. This translation's going horrible. I'm thinking this has been a worst revival series, and out of the desperation, I cried out in my heart to God. And I said, Lord, I remember how many times I have been in these situations, and you have come through for me. Now, I don't know, folks, why for some dumb reason I decided to not cry out to God earlier. I was handling it in my flesh. It was going terrible. But I cried out to God, and I got up that morning to speak. And when I began to preach, something amazing happened. All of a sudden, the translation started happening fluently. It started happening quickly, and I began to lay out for this church how to see genuine revival through prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord and crying out. And, folks, I was absolutely shocked because the Chinese were very this, – this particular church, they were very reserved. There was no emotion. They didn't talk much, and all of a sudden they were like, we're going to do this stuff. And and then I started to hear reports back, this church is taking these things seriously and they're seeking the Lord. And I was in shock of what was going on because God decided to come through. But unfortunately, I had waited too long. I should have prayed that prayer earlier. Folks, don't carry your burden in your flesh. Don't carry it by yourself. God needs to hear about it. And he also, we share our struggles with our friends. Folks, if you are in A terrible situation Don't ride it out by yourself We are here to share together To cry together We laugh, we rejoice together But don't handle this problem in your flesh God will come through Well, Brother Benjamin's here with us tonight And I'm going to bring him on to the line Here with us Brother Benjamin, are you there?
0: Hey, Frank
1: Yes, can you hear me? Good
0: word there, brother
1: Amen, well glad you're here with us Can you hear me?
0: Um, I do now.
1: All right. Praise God. Benjamin, I had been sh- uh, saving um, a quote I wanted to read tonight that you had shared with me until you were on the line. Um, because you you had shared this with me and it's very powerful. And uh, I wanted to share it with our audience and then have you open up with a word of prayer, brother, and then take us where the Lord is leading you tonight. Um, But this comes from Heraclitus, or Heraclitus, however you say it, on warriors. And I think this quote is so relevant for today. Out of every hundred men, ten shouldn't be there. Eighty are just targets. Nine are the real fighters. And we are lucky to have them, for they make the battle. Ah, but the one, one is a true warrior, and he will bring the others back. Brother, that's a powerful statement. And that is so true. And anybody who has served in any type of church setting or with other people understand that it's usually very few people that want to do any work, that want to do any prayer, that want to seek the Lord. And every once in a while, there comes along somebody special that you recognize has that gift for prayer warrior. And Brother Benjamin, please lead us in some prayer and take us where the Lord has been laying on your heart tonight.
0: Amen. Amen. Yes. Lord, we want to go where your Spirit would lead us. So we turn to you. Jesus, we lift your name up. Father, we exalt the name of your Son and we come before your throne and we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done tonight through the message of this program through the hearing of these words in the lives of the listeners i pray the kingdom of god would come and lord they're your people it's your kingdom and these are your people and it's your day that is about to begin so lord i ask these things in jesus name and i ask according to your perfect will i pray lord you would search our hearts As only you can. And Lord, that you would bring us to the place of true repentance. That you would also give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that we would not be unaware of the tricks and the traps of the evil one to keep us distracted, to keep us focused on the wrong things, to keep us off the track of your perfect will. I pray the enemy would be bound pray your Holy Spirit would come. Your warring angels would come into the home of each listener. Pray ears would be open. I pray blind eyes would see. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would touch the remnant of your nation, that they might hear a word from you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Praise God.
0: Amen. Yeah, hey, Frank, great to be back, brother. Thank you for the invite.
1: Brother, I'm glad you're here, man. I know you've. Hey, listen, prayer. What a, what a timely subject. What a timely yeah. subject it is right now.
0: And what a subject that is hardly ever taught, right? I mean, it's sort of like everybody just assumes you all know how to pray. I mean, yeah, we know about the when the disciples came and asked the Lord, you know, teach us to pray, and you know, and He taught the basic prayer of praying for the kingdom and for the perfect will of God, and, and praying for forgiveness, and that we would forgive those that have offended us, sinned against us, hurt us, and, and pray for the needs that we have. And, but there's more to the weapon of prayer. You know, what we're going to see tonight from the Scriptures that there are mountains that we are going to need to move. There are two mountains to move, and we have two weapons to use. And those weapons are fasting and prayer. But in prayer, we're going to add knowledge and wisdom and understanding and discernment, how to develop the gift of discernment to know how to pray for the circumstance that you are in. One of the most important things to, to know and to understand about prayer is the, there's always an appropriate or a correct time to pray and that time is now. When somebody comes to you with a prayer request, you pray now. When you see a need, Amen. you pray now. We don't put it on the prayer list. We don't get to it later. When somebody calls and asks you for prayer, you pray now. We're like the Minutemen of the American Revolution. You pray that minute because the enemy is not wasting any time. Therefore, neither should we, and we indeed are at war. And that quote about warriors is really so profound. Out of every hundred men of war, ten shouldn't even be there. And eighty, they're, they're just targets as well. You know, and in, in a very real sense, aside from being targets, they really, you could just send them home. And it's the... The last ten that really bring the battle, and it's the one. It's the one who's the true warrior, and literally, he isn't concerned about his own safety. When you go into battle, you know, in, in terms of real combat, you know, everybody's afraid. If you're not, you're. You've either been in in combat for so long that, that you've accepted your fate, or you're. You're afraid because you, you can be wounded, you can be injured, you can be gravely hurt, and you can also be killed. And most soldiers, soldiers in the Israeli army, when they go to war, they expect to die. They are not counting on going home; they just expect to get their job, to do their job before they're killed in the battle. You know, an army that is trying to save itself is almost of no use because they'll just run and hide. They won't engage the battle at all. So of the 10 that shouldn't be there, and of the 80 that are just targets, you know, in, in terms of the spiritual warfare Frank, that's, that is already underway and growing in intensity by the day, I was thinking about it before the program. You know, I, I would like to tell them, you know, maybe you guys should just go home, right? But that's really bad advice. Because this battle is going to be at the front door of their house. And if all they did is run and hide, they're not going to have any capacity to respond when the war is at their front door. So to the ten that shouldn't be there, I say, buck up. Man up. Woman of God, up. People of God, stand up. If you're born again, if you've been called by the Lord, You have been called to this battle and you should be there and you better be there because if you're not there, if you're AWOL on your spiritual assignments in the world that we're walking into, it's not going to work out well for you and it's not going to work out well for the people that are counting on you. And that would be your family. That would be the people in your inner circle. If you're a father, that's your wife and your children. If you're a mother... That's your husband and your babies. That's your extended family. If you're grandparents, that's the larger family. If you're a Christian, that's the church of God. And it, you know, in the final analysis, the Lord is counting on us to show up for him. He is. You didn't know that Jesus needs us in this battle? Well, of course. How how would you know? The Laodicean Church was never told. It was all about, you know, believing and getting saved and going to a nice Bible study and then going out for pie and coffee, right? And hopefully the service will get over soon enough because the the my favorite national football team is on. Right? I don't want to miss the game. You know, can't we hurry up with the sermon? No. We're not going to hurry the sermon. We can miss the game. It's meaningless. We've got to equip the people. We're going to talk about how to be equipped in prayer tonight. Because we face mountains that Jesus told us we would one day be empowered to move. Zechariah 4 verse 7. Who are you? Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel... And that name means the, the children that came out of Babylon. I ask the Lord for a child, the man-child that will be born, that will the, lead the remnant out of Babylon. That's who Zerubbabel represents. Before the anointed remnant, the mountains of satanic opposition are going to be leveled like a plane. There's a scripture... I think it's in Isaiah, I don't remember the exact verse, but it talks about, we have not wrought any deliverance in the earth. Do you know the, ver- the verse I'm talking about, Frank? Thy dead man shall lay down with my dead body, and I will arise. It's I think it's somewhere in the, in the, maybe it's the mid-40s of I- Isaiah, but in any event, it talks about a time when the church, where the the kingdom of God saw no deliverance. And that's pretty much the condition today. There's a lot of people that are really in need of help and there's nowhere to go. There's very little real deliverance occurring. People don't even know they're being tormented and all you know, that, the, these the issues that are afflicting them, whether it's fear or addictions to the lust of the flesh the pride of life the food the what you know the drugs even the nicotines and the all the whole assortment of now legal pharmacon to illegal all of these are the strongholds of Satan all of these are the mountains of the beast and it's high time we learned how to move them you know Jesus trained his disciples and he sent them out to bring the kingdom of God to go forth and to heal the sick, to deliver, to bring deliverance to the bound, and to heal the brokenhearted, to bring the ministry of Jesus, which is really the responsibility. It's the ministry of every born-again Christian. This ministry that the Lord carried himself when he came as a man 2,000 years ago, he has given it As a commission to his people. Go and make disciples. Go and preach the good news. And these signs will follow those who truly believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Do the ministry of Jesus. And yet that ministry... The miracle power, ministry of Jesus is, to a great extent, lacking in the earth. And when the disciples were sent out, they had a degree of success, but then they ran into a case where they could not heal. They couldn't cure somebody. And that the text records this in Matthew 17, the disciples brought the sick person back to Jesus and and they said, "We can't we pray for him and, and we can't cure him." And Jesus answered and said, "O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I have to be with you?" And the, the Lord's first response is he was so frustrated. "You faithless people, you perverse generation! How long will the Spirit of God endure you?" Because we're really no different than the generation of of the disciples. And, you know, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody but me. You know, how long shall the Lord have to suffer and endure us? Well, I pray not much longer. I pray we could begin to reckon our old nature dead. I pray we could lay it down and the power of the resurrection would come. I pray that we could be born again. And that that transformation would begin to renew our minds, turning us into entirely new people that would no longer require the Lord to suffer us. And that we would become the people that could bring the kingdom to those around us who are suffering. Because I got news for you. There is a lot of pain and suffering out there. And who among us is going to pay the price to touch these people, to bring healing, to bring the deliverance, to bring the salvation of God. Jesus, in the verse in this text in Matthew 17, he said, Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and the demon departed out of the child, and he was cured that very hour. You know, in the charismatic churches, there's a whole lot of uh, name it, claim it, and it's done you know and i put out a prayer request in the last couple weeks and some of the responses i got back were it's done brother well um, thank you for the for the you know leap of faith but did you really dis- was it really done or is that just how we've been trained to think we prayed about it for 1 minute it's done and we're moving on no that's not how it works It ain't over, till It's over, Yogi Berra said about baseball. And uh, Yogi was a very, very wise man. It is not over until it is over. It is not done until it is actually done. And you wait for the breaking forth of the anointing. You'll know that, okay, the healing's been released. And in the instance where Jesus was praying for the deliverance of this child, it occurred over an hour You know, there was an instance where the Lord prayed for a blind man and then he asked the Lord, the Lord asked the blind man, how do you see? And the man said, I see men walking like trees. And so Jesus prayed again. You know, like what? You know, what was wrong with the Lord's first prayer, right? Okay, nothing. There was nothing wrong with the, and did the Lord suddenly lack faith? No, of course not. What was going on? Um, we're moving mountains, people. They're a tad bit heavy at times, and sometimes it takes a little bit more energy to blow that mountain out of the way. They don't just move instantly. Sometimes you have to stand in prayer, sometimes you have to continue in prayer, and we continue until the mountain is moved, until the healing is received, until the victory is won. Then the disciples came to Jesus and, and they said, Why could we not cast out the devil? Why couldn't we heal this child? And the Lord said to them, Because of your unbelief. Okay, the larger picture here is, in spite of their faith, They had a degree of unbelief And why did they have a degree of unbelief Because they were to a degree in the mind of the flesh And the mind of the flesh cannot receive the things of the spirit Your natural mind will always have a degree of unbelief It's only your spirit man that is filled with faith And so to the extent that we're full of the flesh We're going to operate in degrees of unbelief And that's the reason why nobody gets healed in most of the churches Now I say most, there's the exceptions. There are miracle healings. There are deliverances. But for the most part, the church is fallen into apostasy. This is the last days, and this was prophesied to come. And and part of the apostasy, and and in a very real sense, there's been an apostasy that has been going on for 2,000 years. False churches, false ministers, Jesus warned us, many will come in my name. To deceive many, there's you know, within the false church, there's no real miracles. There might be counterfeits. But in the true church, we're looking for the real. But Jesus said, You couldn't heal this child because of your unbelief. Verily, I say unto you, if you have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove from this place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Now, Jesus was talking about a form of prayer known as declarative or the prayer of declaration. You know, the Lord wasn't saying, you know, you will say unto the Father, Father, please move this mountain, which is petitionary prayer. The Lord never said, you know, if you had the faith, you would be able to pray, Father, please move this mountain, and then God would move the mountain for you. No, the Lord is saying, you will say to the mountain, be thou removed. And that mountain is going to obey you. Now, how is that possible? You know, What level of energy does it take to move a mountain? Okay, the mountain is a metaphor. We're not going to lift up the Appalachian or the Rocky Mountains. Well, at least, not yet. They may come, but in this scripture, the Lord is using the metaphor of a mountain to represent the satanic power that is opposing the healing and the freedom of the people that are bound. And it's as big and as heavy as a mountain. And in your flesh, you are not going to move a mountain. I don't care how many years you try to dig at it, dynamite it, whatever. It's not happening. But in the power of the Spirit, the mountains will move. And then Jesus went on, after saying, nothing is impossible for you, he went on and he said, how be it? Okay, so the Lord just got done with a lesson on declaratory prayer and on his expectation that the day would come that his people would move in the power of his kingdom and do the works that he has sent us to do. He told us, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Did Jesus ever pray to his Father about healing anybody? Nope. He didn't. Now, he spent considerable time in fasting and in prayer, abiding in the presence of the Father, seeking the face of his Father, communing with his Father, discerning and and supping with his Father, discerning the will of his Father. But when he did the works of the kingdom, he did them himself in the authority of God by faith. And he said unto us, even greater works will you do because I am going to the Father. And so, you know, one of the things to understand is there is a difference between petitionary prayer and taking authority. And... You have to use your discernment. We only take authority and declare. We make commandments. We literally make declarations. And we move the spirit world. We move the mountains. But we only do that when we know the will of God. You're declaring things that God has already willed. And you're speaking it. And with the power of fasting and prayer, it's going to move for you. But this kind of only comes out by fasting and prayer. And with an absence of fasting, there's an absence of victory. And that explains the condition of the church. I recall um I had a pastor friend of mine and you know a guy that knows what time it is and uh, a guy that you know born again, spirit filled. Good friend of mine years ago came to spend a weekend with me and we went out um to dinner together. And I got food poisoning. And I, you guys, I was literally, Saturday night by 10 o'clock, I was dying. I mean, projectile. It was terrible. And I'm like crying out, please pray. And he starts praying, Lord, I pray you would touch Benjamin. I'm like, I scream at him, no, not petitionary prayer. I need you to take authority already. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? You know, this wasn't a time to be petitioning God. It's like, dude, speak a word of authority and get me healed like now. And they finally figured out what I, what I meant, and he did. And, and I was delivered of this severe food poisoning. But the church, we have not been taught the time and the place where you will say to the mountain, move. You know, your child is addicted to heroin or drugs or gambling or whatever your child has been captured by the demonic you know it's go ahead and pray but there's a point where you got to take authority mom dad you just stand in the gap declare the power the blood of Jesus you bring them before the throne of God you repent and remit their sins You ask the Lord to have mercy on them and then you turn and you speak to those satanic mountains and you take authority. You bind that strong man. You break their power over your loved ones and you cast them out of their lives. You command those things to let them go. And you don't stop until they're free. You don't just pray one time and go, well, that's done. Maybe not. When I was... Removing the curses from the land that I moved to in Idaho, and the Lord led me here to this property. And when I got here, I figured out it was was actually part of the Indian Reservation. And when I started praying on this land, I, I figured out I couldn't break through. I couldn't even enter the presence of God. This land was so bound up in curses, it was almost impossible to pray. So for the next two years, I fasted and prayed, and I warred and I walked the bloodline around my property, and I prayed until heaven came down, and I commanded the third heaven to be open and I removed the curses off the ground. I stood in the gap and repented of every sin that took place on this land. I pleaded the blood of Jesus, and I asked for forgiveness and mercy, and I commanded the curses to be released, and I spoke blessings in their place, and gradually, one by one, the curses began to break and break and break until the third heaven opened, until I could begin to enter in. i was tell you the truth, guys. I was a little freaked out, okay, for two years. I'm like not happy, and the enemy's right there. You know, the problem's with you, Benjamin. no. The problem was the ground that I was on. But I finally broke through. And today, if I go over to one of my neighbor's properties, oh, man, quench city. And if you go into my prayer loft, you're like, wow, this is awesome. It's like there's an open heaven. Okay, 10 years of fasting and prayer. That'll open the heavens. But in the charismatic world, they were taught you can open them in a minute all you got to do lord please you know say the prayer it's done okay where are we going for lunch well you know what that model is not working and um and it never will work you know and today as we are nearing the birth of the man child as we're nearing the beginning of the outpouring as we're nearing the visitation of the Lord. And it's it's high time that we learn how to pray with authority. You know, the Lord said that in, in Jeremiah 29, after the 70-year reign of Babylon has been completed, the Lord said, I'm going to visit you, and I know the thoughts I think towards you. This is Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13. And then you will call upon me. Yeah, guys, in the time that's coming, we're going to... Fi- when the, when the judgment hits, when the nation begins to, sh- to tremble in fear, when the persecution comes and the cities are burning and then the world war begins, I guarantee you, you will find more time for prayer than you have today. Today, you're too busy. I get that. The church doesn't pray. Save a remnant. Most of the church doesn't pray. Now, they, don't, they won't admit that. They'll tell you, no, no, I pray. I, you know, I pray when I'm driving. I, I pray in the shower. You know, I pray, you know, whenever I've got a spare minute while I'm doing something else. But as far as going in their prayer closet, shutting the door, and setting aside time to get alone with the Lord, to get into the Word, to get into worship, and to get into prayer, most people do not have the time. And why is that? It's because prayer is our most powerful weapon. And what makes it the nuclear weapon of spiritual warfare is when you combine it with fasting. And together you have fasting and prayer. And that's why it's so hard for people to fast and pray. Because Satan fights you every inch because he
1: knows
0: what will happen if you begin to fast and pray. You're going to ruin his entire day. The mountains will begin moving. His kingdom will begin to be destroyed. People will be getting set free. The kingdom of God will begin to reign in the earth. But, you know, just as a, maybe I should have started with this question. Why does God need us to pray anyway, right? I mean, you know, why did the Lord come to my house and say to me, I want you to do me a favor? I want you to pray for the babies that are being murdered in America. You know wh- Why, you know? Why does God want the church to pray? Why does the Lord need you to pray far more than you're currently praying? Why does the Lord want a favor from us? And, you know, if the Lord were to ask you to do him a favor, would you do it? I mean, you know. Some people apparently would say, sorry, Lord, kind of busy, you know, the bears are on tonight, can't really, you know, made a commitment, got a picnic, got a a funeral, I just bought some new oxen, got to plow my field, I got to take, I got to make Babylon great again. I don't got time for the kingdom of God. That seems to be the attitude. Now, nobody will admit that, okay? That's all under the denial shield. But that's really what's going on out there but why does god even need the church to pray why does our prayer even matter i mean god's god right he's got infinite power what does he need us for well guys here's how it works legally man was given the dominion of the earth and then adam and eve made a tragic mistake and they surrendered it to satan and the lord isn't going to overrule decision he already made to give the dominion to men so if we're going to take this kingdom back for the Lord it's going to be done through prayer and given how far the enemy has been able to progress in deceiving and encroaching the church and in bringing blindness and and slavery spiritual slavery into the lives of most Christians we're not going to make any real progress Unless we add fasting to our prayers And that's where you're going to lose 90 out of 100 Christians Because, I mean, look, we all love Jesus, right? I mean, I do I know you do too You wouldn't be listening to me I mean, I love the Lord Sometimes I cry when I hear His name He saved me He stood in the gap for me He stood in the gap for you He did you a favor when he went to that cross, when he took your sin and your judgment. And that was no small price he paid. He did all of us a favor. And now, you know, the Lord's asking all these people that he died for, you know, will anybody do him a favor? And he he needs somebody to respond. You know, in um, Ezekiel, I think it's 30, he says he, he searched for a man to see if anyone would stand in the gap. And and that's what prayer is. It's standing in the gap. And and it, it actually costs you something to stand in the gap. You you literally intervene. And and in intervening, you actually pay a price. You're not just offering up a few words. But the word used in Jeremiah 29 where Jesus said the scripture said and it's certainly the word that the Lord said and you shall go and pray unto me the word in Hebrew is pala, and it means to intervene it means to interpose it means to intercede it means to put yourself right in the middle of it to be the one who stands in the gap and and there's a cost to that you're going to get hit you know I know of um I know of certain watchmen who um I know pretty well because you know I'm sort of friendly with them uh, they're they won't pray for people they don't want to intervene they they and the, it's not that they don't love you guys they don't want the blowback you know some of you guys have prayed for me um and i God bless you. May the Lord reward you greatly for your for your faith, for your sacrifice, and, and for your kindness. May the Lord also protect you with his angelic army, his warring angels to surround you and yours, that no retaliation would come your way. Because sometimes when we intervene, we get hit. You stand in the gap. Jesus intervened for us at the cross, and he got hit. and And we don't. He took the blow. And in a very real sense, when you are, you know... Now, I'm not talking about the Laodicean prayers where it's more just, you know, to be really truthful with you guys. For the most part, it's just words, okay? And that's nice, right? But they don't avail much. I'm talking about people that actually intercede. People that actually... Travail over your issue. Travailing prayer. When you take that issue yourself, it costs you. It's not free. And they're not just words. Jeremiah 4, I heard a voice of a woman in travail and the anguish of her who's bringing forth her first child. And that word is kala, and means to become afflicted. You know, and to give birth to the kingdom requires an affliction in your flesh. To give birth to the things of God requires a, a thorn or an affliction of the flesh. It's not for free, you guys. You know, the prosperity gospel would tell you that the money's all free. No, it's not. There it's this isn't socialism. God will bless the work of your hands. He doesn't throw money out of heaven. All All of the wealth in this world was created by someone. If it's given to another, you know, free just means somebody pays, just not me. And in the church, that's kind of the value of the prayers. Most of the Laodicean churches, it's like, well, it's free, but somebody's going to pay, but not me. I ain't standing in the gap for you. And that's sort of the mindset. You know, I want to just share briefly um, a dream that I had. This was a while ago about prayer, and, and in the dream, uh, I had been kidnapped, along with another man who, um, candidly, I think, is, uh, at this point, uh, Joshua Collins, who, ironically, had basically this, a very, very similar dream, and in, in the dream, I'd been tied up, and this other man, who I'd, I didn't know his identity at the time, he'd been tied up, and the the guy that had kidnapped us was big, and he was strong, and he was evil and horrible, and he comes in, we're in this building, he comes in with this huge bow knife, and he just starts disemboweling the other man, he's cutting him in his abdomen, and I mean just tearing him to pieces, and I'm screaming, you're killing him, stop, and then he turns and he starts cutting me up, and I'm getting stabbed multiple times, and so bad that my intestines are falling out in the dream. And I turned to the other man, and I said, this guy's going to kill us. He's going to have to move us. He's going to try to move us to another building, and if we don't escape, he's going to kill us. And so we have to try to run for it. And sure enough, he started to move us. He took us out of this building, and I I turned to the guy with me. I said, we got to run. And so we just took off running, and and we ran to this small town, and literally we're covered in blood. We're holding our intestines, I mean, we know, we look like we were half dead. We go running up to this church, beautiful church, ornate landscaping, beautiful trees, grass. And there's this old man, and he's raking up the dead leaves from these trees. And we come running up to him, and I'm screaming, call 911, please. This guy, you know he's coming, he's trying to kill us, he's already stabbed us. And we're covered in blood, the guy looks up at us. And he pulls out a little n- notepad from his pocket and a little stubby pencil. And he writes, call 9-1. And I'm screaming, no, don't write it down. I need you to call right now. And he looks at us like totally perplexed. like He doesn't even know what that means. And he just finishes writing the last one. And he puts the pad in his pocket And he goes back to raking his leaves. And so, you know, we give up on this guy. We go running down the street. We run into this young kid, and he's got a yellow ghetto blaster on his shoulder. He's just kind of bouncing down the street. And we run into him, and, you know, and I'm like, please, can you call 911? This guy's, you know, trying to murder us, and he's coming right now. And the guy, the young man looks at us. He's like, you know, I just got this new phone. I don't really know how it works, but you're welcome to use it. And he hands me the ghetto blaster. I'm like, this is no phone. And I'm like, okay, forget this guy. We go running down the street further, and there's an old woman on the porch of an older house. And we we go running up to her, you know, screaming at her, please call 911, please help us. She goes in the house. She comes out with her little cordless phone, and (laughs) she hands me the phone. I look at the phone, and all the numbers are all jumbled up and disordered, all chaos. And then I finally figure out the numbers are actually just mislabeled, but every the numbers are actually still in the right order, and, and that's the end of the dream. And So what's the message of the dream? Well, the first person, the old man at the church, beautifully landscaped, cleaning up the dead leaves, all the trees were barren. All the leaves had fallen. It was like... ...towards the end of fall, and, and that's the church that, you know, if you go to that, those old line churches with your need, they'll put you on their prayer list, but they're not going to do much more, and then they just go back to cleaning up the, the dead leaves from the twice dead trees, and then the kid with the ghetto blaster, that's the new church, they don't even know the Lord, they've got a cheap imitation what they thought was a telephone to communicate with God was just a form of cheap ghetto music. And then the third person, you know, that's the true church. And even even within the true church, there's confusion today. And and um, you know, the irony is, shortly after after that event, um, some major warfare came against me when I stood in the gap or someone else that had been attacked by a coven of witches. And they turned the guns on me, and and for the next couple days, it was insane what was going on. I mean, I would be walking down the street in my town, and every person, I'm not exaggerating, I mean 100% of the people, as they walked by me on the street, would go into epileptic seizure and start screaming and twitching. And then they'd get a few feet away from me, and they'd go back to being a normal person. Everyone, I made a deposit in the bank, and to make a loan payment on a debt that you know wasn't my account, but I was making the payment, and and I asked the teller, could I please have a receipt for the deposit? For the next minute, they're screaming at me how I can't have a statement because my name's not on this account, and and after a minute of Screaming at the top of their lungs like a lunatic. They calmed down and they said, "Oh, did you, did you want a receipt?" I'm serious. This went on for like several days. It was like the Twilight Zone. And and um, I called every prayer warrior I knew, and none of them would pray. You know, one was a pastor. He's like, "Brother, I I got to preach on Sunday, and you know, I got to get my message together, and th- it's already Wednesday." And and my main prayer, the guy that was my closest prayer warrior friend at the time, he's like, Brother, I, I'd love to pray with you, but i got to go rake the leaves in my yard. And I'm just like, I don't believe this. And um, not one man would pray. Probably called 20-some people. Nobody would pray with me. That's how effective the enemy was to keep him. Finally, a woman of God named Chai Coltrane. I got through to her on the phone. She's like, "I'll deal with this," and she stood in the gap. She intervened, and it stopped. And two days later, she called me back and she said, "Never call me again." The 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 retaliation against her was so violent. She said, "I can't handle this level of attacks," and and I said, "Okay," <laughs> you know. And and that's what I'm talking about in terms of real warfare. You know, most Christians have never seen anything like this. You know, the way to see in church doesn't have warfare. They have inconvenience, right? The truth be told, our prayers are more effective. They're more powerful than you can even imagine. But to our prayer, we've got to add fasting if we want to move these mountains. And, you know, the Lord would often go into the mountains to pray and and oftentimes pray through the night. The Scripture even tells us, you know, that we should watch and pray that we not enter into temptation, for the Spirit is willing. Our spirit, if you're born again, your spirit is rejoicing to hear the Word of God. It's our flesh that is weak, and we must be watchful, Make no provision, brothers and sisters. Don't give any inch for your flesh, because otherwise it'll, you'll be on a slippery slope. And you know, the Lord tells us in Romans 8 that the Spirit helps us with our infirmity. There are times when we don't know what we should pray, and the Spirit will make interception, intercession through us, praying with groaning. You know, which is literally the, the spirit of God Not even the gift of tongues But actually just groaning in us Paul saying in Thessalonians Brethren pray for us And then again in Second Thessalonians Wherefore also we pray always for you That God would count you worthy of his calling And that he would do all of his good pleasure Of his goodness And the works of faith with power that the name of Jesus would be glorified in you according to the grace of God that you've received. And in Thessalonians 5, Paul went on and wrote, And in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, but quench not the Holy Spirit. And that's something that's easy to do. And brothers and sisters, uh probably could go on Quite a bit longer You know I share one final story This was I'm Maybe mid 90's And um A man of God was preaching a revival In my town and, uh, and I went And I was going through A lot of warfare You know I've been a favorite target Of the enemy They would love to shut me up And, and um evangelist asked if anybody wanted prayer please come forward and about a hundred people went forward and all stood in front i thought you know i'm never gonna miss an opportunity to have an anointed man of god pray for me so i went forward and and this man you know he went he took the time to pray for each person one by one and everybody stood in this long you know single row at the front and he literally went by each person praying and ministering unto them and And then he skipped me, and he prayed for everybody else. And then everybody went back to their seats, and Benjamin is standing up there by himself. I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to go back to my seat. And the the evening ended, and I never did get prayer. And I'm thinking, you know, like, what's up with that? You know, the guy intentionally skips me. Well, I went back the next night because it was a weekend revival. and, And again, he's like, if everybody wants prayer, he'll come forward for prayer. I'm like, I'm not going to be denied, you know. So I go forward a second time. And again, everybody lines up. He starts at one end, and he comes. He's praying for each person. Finally, he gets to me, and instead of praying for me, he says to me, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, you asked if people wanted prayer. uh, I came forward for prayer. And he says to me, you're not supposed to be coming forward for prayer. You're supposed to be up here praying. Here, come with me. And he takes me over to another lady, and he starts praying for her, and he turns to me and he says, Can you feel how the anointing is being blocked? I'm like, Yes, I feel the anointing blocked. We keep praying until the anointing releases. So he starts praying again for this woman, and then finally, boom, you can feel the Holy Spirit just rush. You can feel the anointing release. He turns to me and goes, Can you feel the anointing releasing? I go, Yes. That's when we know it's done. brothers and sisters, I would encourage you, you know, don't make the mistakes of the charismatic church. You pray until you know that it is done. You know, I've got, there were certain people on my prayer list, you know, people that are close to me, people that I loved dearly, and, you know, they didn't know the Lord. And I prayed for these people for years that not only would God save them, but they would include them in the remnant. And, you know, I mean, and I was in travailing prayer over the lives and the the souls of of certain people that had found favor in my eyes. And and I continued to pray for them. I would not stop until finally one day the Lord told me, I've heard your prayers. They have been answered. These people are all saved. And they're in the remnant. (laughs) And you can stop praying. This is done. And sure enough, um, the people that i'd been travailing for they 're like either pastors or they 're they 're leading these huge prayer ministries they are they 've all turned into radical Christians with radical ministries and and when I started praying for them they they really didn 't even know the Lord. They were the you know go to church on Christmas and Easter kind of Christians and now they 're fasting and praying and and ministering in power and and you know what you guys. Take hold of things in prayer. You don't let go until you know that not only has God heard, but the answer has come. I mean, think of Daniel in chapter 9, praying for revelation from heaven. For three straight weeks, Daniel's fasting and praying. He's using the Daniel fast. He's only eating basically vegetables and fruits and nuts, no pleasant food, you know, very restricted diet and he's in a mode of fasting and 3 weeks he's steadfast in prayer and nothing no answer from heaven the heavens are brass and no doubt satan was right there daniel the problem is in you but daniel knew he had not defiled himself before the lord he knew the problem had to be in the ground or in the heavens and it turns out the battle was in the heavens finally after 3 weeks daniel prevailed now Had Daniel been trained as a charismatic, he would have prayed one day and said, that's done. And we would not have Daniel chapter 9 in our Bibles, because it never would have been done. Daniel prayed until the anointing broke, and in his case, it was the visitation of Gabriel and the prophecy of the 70 weeks that ended. That was the completion of his prayers. But I would encourage you you stand in the gap when you pick up the mantle on an issue. Pray. Pray through in the anointing. You pray with authority. When appropriate, take the authority and declare the victory when you know the will of God. And continue in prayer until your prayer at fasting until you have the victory confirmed, until the anointing is, is actually received, until, until it's over. You don't stop. And, you know, one last comment I want to make for you guys. Not every prayer need is supposed to be on your table. You need to ask the Lord. You know, and and not every, you know, Jesus at one point told a woman, I've only come for the lost sheep of Israel. We've all only been assigned certain tasks. I had a, a brother that I knew, you know, sort of an acquaintance years ago, and, you know, didn't have a whole lot of wisdom but had a lot of zeal. And he said to me, "Hey, brother Benjamin, I'm thinking of driving to Washington D.C. and I'm going to take authority over all the principalities and powers that bind, uh, that are that are dominating America. And I'm going to bind them all. What do you think of that idea? <laughs> like, has God asked you to do that? You know, don't go beyond the things that the Spirit has directed you to pray for. Don't be afraid." the lord's put it on your heart then there's no reason to fear i've also had people come to me benjamin i was praying for you and satan appeared to me and told me if i keep praying for you he's going to kill me so i'm sorry i have to quit praying for you okay um don't take any direction from satan okay you guys right i'm serious people have told me these things you know if satan threatened me about something i was praying about i would start praying twice as hard because you know they're gonna do whatever they can to destroy us, regardless. You know, and don't be intimidated. And and then one last thing I want to clue you in on, guys. And here's a way you can use prayer as a powerful weapon in your own life for your own deliverance. When you figure out that the enemy has a stronghold in you, you know, where they're pushing your button, and I I don't care, you know, is it you know, the relationship with your mother or your father, and, you know, they just, the enemy brings that up, and it gets you upset, or, you know, something that just keeps happening again and again, and you finally figure out the enemy is behind it. Okay, here's how you get them to stop. This works flawlessly. You tell Satan, okay, I'm on to you. I figured out you're using this against me, and now that I know that it's you, Here's the deal, devil. Every time you push that button, I'm going to begin praying and go, you know, list your whatever list of things you're going to begin interceding on. I guarantee you they're not going to believe you. They're going to think you're bluffing or that you're going to forget, and they're going to keep pushing their buttons in your life because those buttons have been working real well. They're not willing to give them up without a fight. But as soon as they figure out you weren't kidding, and every time they push your button, you go into prayer, they're going to stop. And here, This is how they, they always act in, when, when I do this. They'll normally wait about two weeks because they really want to use that button again because it was effective. So they're going to think maybe after two weeks you forget. So they'll wait, and then they'll hit you there again. But if you don't forget and you go back into prayer, they're going to back off. And they're going to wait a month. Maybe you forgot. If that doesn't work, they'll wait three months. And then they'll wait six. And then they'll probably give it up because they figured out they're not kidding. And you know what? The enemy would rather do anything than suffer you to pray. The enemy doesn't care if you play Christian music. They don't care if you read your Bible. They don't care if you watch Christian TV or if you listen to YouTube's or if you, you know, follow the news on the Internet of the 50 ways they're planning on killing you. They don't care if you do all those things. There's only one thing they care about. They don't want you to pray. And heaven forbid you might start Fasting and praying Because if you do those things Everything will change So What should we all be doing Pray Without ceasing That you be counted worthy To escape all these things And stand as a representative Of the son of man Amidst this wicked and perverse generation Pray without ceasing And to your prayer add fasting and prayer and um always remember the authority issues of covering yourself with the blood of the lamb and look to the leading of the holy spirit in how to pray ask for Amen. the lord's discernment on exactly what to pray about and take nothing for granted and when it comes to church be very careful Don't let anybody lay hands on you suddenly. Mm. Don't accept words spoken over you without first testing them. And because, you know, the true prophets of God, go read the Bible for yourself, how often did they speak a word over a person other than the king or maybe the high priest, right? Very rarely. Um, You know, if we receive these false words, if we receive people that have got mixed spirits, Um, you know, you can yoke yourself up with a bunch of garbage that you have to later break off. So, praise God. Let us pray, brethren, and to your prayer, add fasting and prayer, and it's going to change everything. Believe me, it's high time that we begin to walk in, in the seriousness of this hour. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Benjamin, for that. Folks, just a quick thing. I know I can tell you from personal experience that sometimes when the attack is the greatest, and maybe it's not always, um, but I've had times where the attack is heavy, and I didn't realize that the Lord was actually trying to get a message through to me personally. Everything was going south. And the whole time, while I'm in the middle of this attack and praying and, and, you know, sometimes we can get into our own pity parties even during these attacks. The whole time, the Lord was like, hey, I'm trying to get your attention. trying to get your attention. And through the attack, the Lord reveals stuff many times that could be deep within your own spirit. Maybe an issue of pride, folks. I've had all kinds of things I didn't think I had a problem with until the Lord revealed that I had a problem with them you know and and so folks be sensitive sometimes when you're having a spiritual attack or a problem it is an opportunity to grow in the Lord Benjamin you know what it's like you've been in the darkest hours but man when the breakthrough comes it's powerful it's powerful when the breakthrough comes oh amen and um, and you're strong and you get stronger Afterwards, folks, and you remember the next time you go and attack how the Lord brought you through the last one. And so you're building up. You're like that warrior that's gone over to battle again and again. He knows how to react. You don't go with some second lieutenant fresh out of OCS. You go with the old crusty sergeant who's been in battle several times.
0: Amen. You there, Frank?